Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We are a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Canada, and together we are on a mission to reach people who are far from Christ and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. In today's podcast, Pastor Nathan is wrapping up his three-part series, A Better Way. You know, we live in a world that is full of distraction. That is why it's so easy to miss the moment we are in. You can't change the past or control the future. But you know what? We can follow the example of Jesus and embrace today. So with that, let's turn it over to Pastor Nate as he wraps up part three of his series titled, Your Best Days Are Now. Good morning, everybody. Awesome. Great to, uh, great to see you. Great to be with you here today. If you haven't been with us over the last two weeks, uh, we have been in a message series uh, from Life Church called A Better Way. And over these three weeks, uh, we've been talking about, and today we'll wrap things up by talking about this question that I've been asking the last couple Sundays. And the question was this, do you ever feel like Christianity isn't working? And I know you shouldn't ask that in church because of course Christianity works, but it's like, do you ever feel like it isn't? Whether you're trying to live out your faith in a way that's meaningful and authentic, or whether you're watching someone else live out their faith and you're trying to go, hmm, I don't know. Seems to be a lot of hypocrisy. Seems to be some holes. And what I've been suggesting for the past few weeks is this, perhaps it's not Christianity that doesn't work, but the way we're trying to live Christianity that doesn't work. How many of you know that there's, the way that you do something really matters? Yeah, few people. Um, and so today what I wanted to do is I wanted to kind of kick off, um, I wanted to kick off this final message. As we, as we seek to compare the way we're living our Christianity and our lives compared with the way that Jesus lived, I want to start with a question. And the question is this, are you here? Are you here? If you're here, just say, I'm here. If you're uh, on our live stream, if you're watching on there, just write in the comment chat, I'm here, I'm here. I want uh, to consider, are you here? And what I'm talking about when I say is here is not just here physically, not just here uh, on the live stream, but actually here in this present moment. Because I don't know if you know this, but this is a moment. This moment won't happen again, the moment we're in. And we are here gathered as the church in this room, online, gathered together, and we're here, we're worshiping Jesus, we're thinking about God and thanking him, we're hearing a message, we're being encouraged, we get to say hi and fellowship with people outside after the service, get to be with our family, and so uh, we get to be in this moment, we get to not only be in this moment, but we get to be in this moment in the presence of God, and that's incredible. It's always blown me away how two people can be in the same service, or in the same moment, let's say, and experience it in such different ways. There have been Sundays where after church I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, you know, when the band started into that song, tears started to flow down my face and something broke over my life. Can't explain it, just something happened. It was the most amazing service, most amazing worship. And then I can ask somebody else, hey, how did it go? And they'll be like, meh, it was okay. I think, I think you said something about a better way. Like they just, just, they were here, they were present physically but not truly present in the moment. So thanks for being here. I'm really glad that you're here. The truth of the matter is, however, that um, some of you won't be here for long. (laughs) All right? You're here physically. You're with us. I mean, you're tuned in. But eventually, something's going to happen that's going to draw away your attention. Maybe your phone buzzes. Somebody texts you. A call comes in. Maybe you remember something you're supposed to do on your to-do list and you need to write it down. If you're here, if you have kids in the service and they start fidgeting, it's amazing how quickly that will pull you out of a moment. And that moment will be saved for later. It's amazing how there's all these things that will draw us out. Maybe you, your, your stomach grumbles halfway through the service and you start thinking about lunch. And next thing you know, you miss the second half of the sermon, okay? You're not all going to be here for the entire time. 
We have this incredible thing called attention. God has so created us in such a way that we can actually focus our attention onto one thing. You can be in a crowded room with noise and lights, and you can, in the midst of all that noise, you can lock onto somebody and hear what they're saying and look at them and communicate in the midst of chaos. And that's the power of attention, the power of focus. I want everyone just to hold out their thumb in front of them like this, hold it out, and I want you to focus on your thumb and tell me what happens to everything else around the room. It gets blurry, it's out of focus. And thanks for all the thumbs up, I appreciate that. That's, uh, that's amazing. Um, so it's incredible, we have the ability to focus our attention and what happens so often is that our attention isn't focused in the moment, but our attention is focused on something else, somewhere else. And we miss what's right in front of us. We miss the moment we are in. So I'm glad you're here. As I said, most of you won't be here for too long. But while you're here, I want to share a few things with you. We're going to turn to John chapter 2. And let me give you the backdrop to this particular account. Jesus is about to perform his first miracle. Whenever somebody does a first thing, it's really important. Uh, in this case, Jesus is going to turn water into wine. That's his first miracle. It happens at a wedding. Now, it seems that Jesus, that this person was somehow either related or a friend or family, something, because he's at this wedding, and his mother's at the wedding, and while they're at the wedding, they run out of wine. And you may think to yourself, not a big deal. But it is a big deal. Here's why. Because in our culture, we have a wedding. There's a ceremony followed by a meal. And only a small group of people, you know, really closest family and friends are invited to the meal, and then people go home. But in those days, people would have to travel by foot, by mule, by horse, uh, quite a distance. And so it was really like a family reunion, and weddings would often last up to a week. Because people would travel so far, they would just stay, and they would just eat the food and drink the wine and just be together for that celebration of a wedding. So it was a big deal when they ran out of wine on day one. <laughs> the wedding is just getting going, and all of a sudden they're like, oops. Somebody made a mistake. Mary turns to Jesus, and she says, Jesus, they've run out of wine. And Jesus is like, not my problem, not my time. I can't help you. But Mary, his mother, does something so incredible. She turns to the servants. They're all standing with their empty pitchers. And she says, don't panic, right? Don't, don't spin. What can I do? What can I do? I see Dwayne posted in the, in the chat. Uh, thanks for uh, the live stream. No point spinning in circles saying, what can I do? This is so true, right? So they're going to panic, and Mary does something incredible. She says, listen, I want the servants to focus their attention on Jesus and do whatever he says. She turns her attention to Jesus. I wonder sometimes if that's not the best thing that we can do as followers of Jesus, is to turn people's attention to Jesus. Imagine if that's what we did. Instead of going, I have the truth. Instead of going, I have it figured out. Watch me as I live exactly like Jesus. Instead, if we rather turned and said, I'm still figuring this out, but I know the one who's got it figured out. Let's follow him. Let's turn our attention towards Jesus. Imagine if we did that, how much better it would go for us. She turns her attention to Jesus, and uh, Jesus tells them, hey, go and get the uh, big wash. They would have big clay wash pots at the doors for washing hands. They said, bring those, fill them up with fresh water, and then I want you to draw out some of the water and bring it to the master of the ceremony. And so they do exactly what Jesus says, and, and that's where we're gonna pick things up right here. It says, when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, although, he goes on to say, the servants who drew out the water knew. This is, this is remarkable to me, because the servants knew what had caused the miracle, but the master didn't. And so many times, people will see, if you're living the Christian life his way, they'll see the fruit of it, they'll see the results, they'll see your peace, they'll see your joy, they'll see your confidence in God and they'll be like, I want that, I need that, and they won't know where it comes from, but you will. 
And here's what the master says. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, right? They bring out the the best bottles of wine, the best everything. And when people have drunk freely and they're a little tipsy, I added that in, then the poor wine. Out come the boxes of the cheap stuff, right? Like this is how things normally go, but this is not the way it went with Jesus. Here's what it says next. But you have kept the good wine until, and this does not say last, you've kept the good wine until now. The title of the message today is Your Best Days Are Now. Your Best Days Are Now. One of the most amazing qualities about Jesus was that he was fully present in the moment he was in. He was fully present in the moment that he was in. He didn't miss his moments. And I don't know about you, but I want to be like that. Today, I want to just briefly look at two quick examples of this. And of course, we can look at Jesus' life, and it's filled with incredible examples of him just stopping and taking a moment, stopping and helping someone that no one else would notice. And I want to share two of them. The backdrop for both of these, um, they're found, by the way, in um, Luke chapter 19. Both of these stories in Luke 18 and 19, Jesus is in a place called Jericho. So Jericho is a fairly large city with walls. There would have been uh, a number of main gates into the city, And I want you to imagine with me the main gates to a large walled city. Outside the gates, there would be many people in need. There'd be poor, blind, lame people uh, who would be out begging for alms. There would be markets and shops. And and there would just be the busyness of a main intersection coming into this town. Not only that, Jesus is being followed by hundreds, if not thousands of people. There's this massive crowd. So much that in the next story we're going to look at, one man who's short has to climb up a tree just to see Jesus over the crowd. So imagine Jesus walking with hundreds of people, lots of noise, lots of animals, lots of traffic. And in that setting, a man by the name of Blind Bartimaeus is what he's called. They got a little picture. Uh, Blind Bartimaeus is, is there begging for alms. And when he hears that Jesus is coming by, he decides to stretch out his faith and he begins to call. And he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and no, of course, with all the noise, Jesus doesn't hear, so he continues to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Finally, the crowd around Jesus starts saying, shh, shh, stop it. You're, you're distracted. Just stop it. Leave him alone. He's busy. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is walking in the crowd. Imagine this. Everybody needs something from Jesus. And he hears this voice over the crowd, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And he stops cold in his tracks, just boom, bring that man to me. I hear faith, and they bring Bartimaeus to Jesus, and Jesus says to him, what can I do for you? And he says, would you open my eyes? And Jesus says, be well. So what happens next is Bartimaeus sees for the first time, and he is dancing in the streets, screaming praises to God, just to add more noise pollution to everything that's going on. And Jesus continues to move, and the crowds are around him, Bartimaeus is screaming, and as he's walking, he looks up in a tree and sees a small tax collector named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was in the tree because he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Some of you went to Sunday school, so you know that song. So Zacchaeus is a short tax collector. He climbed up the tree to see Jesus. And when Jesus sees him, something in him goes, this is a moment. And he stops where he is amidst the crowd. Bartimaeus is still screaming in the background. And he looks up, and here's what happens. It says this, and Jesus came to the place, and he looked up and said to him, calls him by name, Zacchaeus. Hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house. Let's say this word together. Today. It's a theme. Today is your moment, Zacchaeus. I'm coming to your house. Jesus eats a meal with Zacchaeus. 
And following the meal, Zacchaeus turns to Jesus and he says, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've stolen or defrauded anybody, I'm going to give them four times back what I've taken from them. And Jesus in that moment, seeing what has happened to him, he says this to Zacchaeus. He says, today salvation has come to this house. Not only did Jesus not miss his moment, but Zacchaeus and Bartimaeus did not miss their moment. We have two men who are both blind. One of them is physically blind, Bartimaeus, and one of them is spiritually blind. One of them is poor. One of them is rich. None of that matters. Both of them needed Jesus. And in that moment, they connected and their lives were changed forever. I believe that today is a moment like that for many of us who are here in this place. We have an opportunity today to connect with God who is right here with us. Jesus did not miss what was right in front of him. I don't know about you, but I want to live my life like that. I don't want to just, it's so easy to just live for the happy moments, isn't it? It's so easy just to look for the, for the TGIF. Thank goodness it's Friday. It's like it's Tuesday and life is just drudgery, but Friday night we're going to have a good time. Saturday's going to be the best. And we just look to the future and we miss the moment we're in because we're just putting off to the future a good day and a good moment. I used to do this all the time. I used to say to my wife, and I'm working on this, okay? Don't, don't hear me saying I've got this figured out. I'm working on this. I used to say, hey, three more weeks and then it's holidays. I'm going to have two weeks off and it's going to be amazing. I'm just going to work too much right now. And I'm just going to be stressed out for the next three weeks. But then when I go on holidays, I'm going to turn it all off. And it's going to be relaxing and amazing. And it actually looked more like me on detox for about four days. Just leave me by myself. Okay, why? Because I wasn't living in the moment. I was living for a moment that would someday come in the future. We all do this in different ways. Um, my wife Jessica is amazing. She often says to me, I wish our house was more tidy. And I think her house is pretty tidy. She does a wonderful job keeping on top of a lot of that. And, uh, and so she'll say, I know, but like the kids, they just keep leaving stuff everywhere. And they do. I think sometimes I do as well, to be honest. Um, and I'll just, I've said to her on a number of occasions, I said, you know what? We're going to blink and our house will stay clean because they'll be gone. And it's so easy for us to complain today about what we'll miss tomorrow, to complain t- today about what moments we'll miss tomorrow. I have to remind myself, in our house, I find random socks everywhere. I still don't know how they, I walk down the stairs, there's a random sock at the bottom of the stair. And then there's a random sock sitting on the living room coffee table, and it's not the same sock, they don't match. There's one on the kitchen counter, there's one in the refrigerator. What is going on here? I, I don't understand. We've got one child that likes to play Zelda music on the piano at full blast at random times during the day. We have one that loves crafting, and so we have colorful glittered piece of paper stuck in the carpets. We have one that likes to scream and yell at the Mario Kart in the basement. And then our dog. Our dog doesn't even have that many toys, but every once in a while he'll just drag them all out and spread them all over the living room. And it's like he just wants to fit in with the rest of our family. I don't know. Uh, It's amazing, though, um, how we can complain today about things that we will certainly miss tomorrow. Um, if we're not in the present, we're somewhere. There was a, a study done by uh, Harvard Gazette. Uh, this is fascinating. They found that 47% of the time, people were not where their bodies were. Their attention, their focus, their mind, their thoughts were somewhere else. That's almost 50% somewhere else. And if we're not in the present, where are we? Chances are we're in one of two places, in the past or the future. 
Last night I sat down with Jessica and she said, what are you preaching on? I said, I'm preaching on being in the moment. She said, oh, I don't like that. I'd rather live in the past. And I thought, touche, I would rather live in the future. She likes to go to the past. I like to go to the future. No wonder sometimes we feel like we're worlds apart, <laughs> okay? But we, we're gonna decide where our mind, we can go to the past. I call this the good old days syndrome, right? During the Exodus, the nation of Israel, they were in Egypt and their kids were being murdered. They were being whipped and beaten and worked to death. And they finally are delivered by God out of that place and they get to freedom. And you know what? After a few months, they look around and they go, we should go back to Egypt. We really like the fish and the garlic and the onions. The food was better there than here. Let's go back. I call that the good old days syndrome. And it's so easy for us to look back at the past and see it through rose-colored glasses. Anybody else experience this? Recently, I saw, um, or I should say, when I think about when um, our kids were little, like when our kids were all toddlers, I think about that time so fondly. I look back and I think, oh, things were so simple then. And, and you know, the kids would all be in bed by 8, 8.15, and Jessica and I would have like a couple hours, we'd watch a movie, we'd just hang out. It was just really low key. Now, they're all up past us, tucking us in, right? So I look back and I'm like, oh, it was so great back there. Used to hang out with the kids and play in the yard, and it was just so simple. And then I remember, because I meet someone who's in that stage, and there's bags under their eyes and Sharpie on their neck, and they just look like, oh my gosh, I'm so frazzled trying to keep my kid from hurting themselves, right? And, and so <laughs> it's amazing though when you look back, it's like, wow, it was so great back there. It's easy for me to think and go, um, do you guys remember before COVID-19? Oh, the good old days. You remember when we could go to a hockey game and cheer on the Pete's and you're this close to a total stranger with no mask, sharing popcorn, <laughs> It's like, you can't even fathom it now. And so it's easy to be like, oh, it was so amazing back there. I look back and I'm like, what did we even fight about? I'm sure it'll reemerge after this whole pandemic's over, but you look back and you're like, oh, it was so great. But here's the thing. We can't go back. We're here in this moment. What do we do with the moment we're given? We can't live in the past. The past is gone. The past is behind us. The other temptation for us, and this is, this is my advice, the future. There are times when I'm sitting on the couch in our living room and... I'm thinking deeply about something, I'll hear this nattering sound in the background and I realize it's my family calling out to me, trying to get my attention. Nate Jock! They use my middle name and I'm like, what? Where are you? I'm in the future somewhere. That's my tendency, is to be over there. When I was a kid, people asked ask me how old I am. How, are you 10? No, I'm 10 and a half. Let's excel, I'm 10 and three quarters. I'm 10 and 11 twelfths, basically I'm 11. I always wanted to go forward. I wanted always to get to the next thing. When I was in grade school, I thought, man, life is going to be amazing when I get to high school. Then I got to high school and went, eh, it's not everything it cracked up to be. Maybe college is going to be the thing for me. And so I went to college, and I got to college, and I thought, oh, this is great, but ah, you know what? When I get a job, and I get a car, and I have money and freedom, that's going to be the thing. And then I got a job and a car. And I was looking to the future going, you know, maybe when I'm married, I'll truly be complete. And then I got married and I was finished. Sorry, that, that's, that's too much. Fair enough. It's wonderful. I got married. And then, of course, we're married and we're having a great time being married. And it's like, Whoa, oh man, when we get kids, then we'll be satisfied. And then you get kids. And now we're like, when our kids move out, then it'll be amazing. But the truth is, our parents will move in. 
You know, when I retire, when I just get to the next thing. And so we, it's so easy to get caught up in this, this idea that, man, someday when we get there, it's going to be better than here. And so instead of living in the moment, we're delaying it for the future. And I've done this with my life. I'm sure some of you have done it. I did it with my family when our kids were little. Our first uh, child was born. And as a parent, you just like, you want your kid to be moving faster. Walk already. It's like, he's five months. He can't walk. It's like, walk. You know, kick a ball, say something, do something, go to the doctor and they have the growth chart. And they're like, here's the average. Where's my kid? Way up here. Of course he is. Right? You just, as a parent, you just want to accelerate. You just want to move everything forward. I remember um, when the time we had our fourth child, our last child, um, and I remember just holding Nora in my arms as a little baby. And all the other kids, I was like, do something. And I just held her in my arms and I thought, I'm just going to soak this in because this might be the last time that I get to do this. And it's amazing, the perspective. James Dobson says every parent should apologize to their firstborn child. Because um, we push so hard. We push so hard. We want to get to the next thing instead of enjoying the moment. And so I have to learn at the stage I'm in to enjoy the moment just like you have to learn in the moment that you're in. This is true of the church. Over 11 years, the church has grown and changed. And I have to really catch myself. Um, recently, we found out that the building project is going to be delayed for some city stuff. And my first thing was like, oh no, because we have to get there because when we get into the building, everything will be perfect. It's like, no, no. We need to learn to take in every single moment. When we get to the next, when we get to the next. I don't know about you, but I want to live in the moment that I'm given. And I want to make the most of it. And I know we will. Uh, when, we think about, uh, when we think about tomorrow, Jesus says this. Jesus says, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Jesus doesn't say that we shouldn't plan for tomorrow. He says we shouldn't worry about it. He says we shouldn't worry about it. Which means that in order for us to live the Christian life and to live our lives Jesus' way, here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to surrender the past that we can't change and trust God with a future we can't control. That's so important. See, this whole thing is an exercise in faith. Otherwise, we're just talking about mindfulness, you know? Could write a book on meditation and calming your soul. Like, that's important. That's, that's all helpful. But this is actually faith. We're talking about trusting God with the past. We can't change in the future. We can't control. This whole thing of living in the moment is because we know that God is in this moment with us and that he is in control. I love what James, uh, the brother of Jesus, would later go on to write. He says this, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You, you've got your plans, you're rolling them out. Yet, he says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. It's like, tomorrow's not guaranteed. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You ever breathe on a mirror? <sighs> and it shows up and it instantly starts to dissipate and it's gone in a brief moment. James says that's actually what our lives are like. Got a little hourglass here. See, here's the thing about our life. We don't know how much sand is still there. We can't stop it from passing and we can't get it back. It's just stressing anyone else out right now. <laughs> oh no, our life is so brief. So we don't want to waste 47% of our time living in the past or dreaming about the future and missing the moment that we're in right now. That's why the psalmist says this in Psalm 118. He says, this is the day. Can we say this together? This is the day, this day, 
Today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Not tomorrow, not yesterday. Today is the day. Today is the day that we can respond to God. Today is the day we can live in the present. Jesus did it. I want to be like Jesus. Some of you may push back against this, and this is totally fair. I talked to so many people, and some have been going through such a difficult time. And maybe over the past six months, your life feels like it's been unraveling. Terrible things keep happening. There's tragedy around you. There's loss. There's sorrow. There's sadness. And you're just like, oh, get me out of here. And what happens is when we're going through difficult moments, and we'll all go through some, when we go through, the temptation is for us to escape the pain, to escape the moment. And so that's why many people will turn to alcohol. They'll turn to drugs, overeating. What else would they turn to? pornography, sometimes it's social media, sometimes it's shopping. It's just, there's just so many ways that we can just try to numb the sorrow and the sadness of the present moment, trying to escape this moment and delay for the future. And it doesn't work. And if there was ever a moment for Jesus, okay, let's talk about Jesus for a sec. If there was ever a moment when Jesus could have went, I need out of here, it's too much. I think it's on the cross, would you agree? When Jesus went to the cross, he was stripped naked, He was beaten, he was whipped, he put a crown of thorns, was pressed into his head. Scriptures tell us that he was barely recognizable. And in that moment, they put nails in his hands and his feet, and as he hung on the cross, he would have had to lift himself against those nails just to catch a breath. And as he's on that cross, he would have been so tempted to just be like, get me out of here. He would have been so tempted to just be like, leave me alone while I suffer in isolation. And yet Jesus on the cross does something incredible. Here's what it says. And Jesus said, sorry, and he said, the setting for this is there is a criminal dying on a cross beside Jesus, and this criminal says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This, this man deserved to be on a cross. He was a criminal, but he recognized who Jesus was, and he says, if you would just remember me when you come into your kingdom, if you would just remember me, that would be enough. But Jesus, in that moment, doesn't say, leave me alone. Here's what he says. Truly I say to you, say this together, today you shall be with me in paradise. Even in his most difficult moment, he was fully present. It's mind-blowing. And what's really encouraging about this to me is not that you and I, while we're going through a difficult moment, have to be fully present, but rather that we can know that we don't have a God that sits high on a mountain looking down on our suffering going, oh, that must stink. But we have a God who enters in, who goes through it with us. And when I think about this, I hear the words of Jesus when he said, we've been talking about this for a couple weeks, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's an invitation for us to enter into this moment, whatever it is, together with Jesus. I don't think there's any better invitation that we could ever receive. And like blind Bartimaeus, and like Zacchaeus, the tax collector, we must recognize the moment we're in and receive that invitation to follow Jesus and to do life with him. I'll tell you this, um, if we are not present in this moment, we cannot be good friends We cannot be good husbands or wives. We can't be good grandparents. We can't be good bosses or neighbors. Because if we're not in the present, we're somewhere else. We're invited to walk into this present moment that we're in right now. In the yoke with Jesus.
together with him. So as a close to service, I want to do two things. I want to give two calls. The first is for those of you that are here, those of you that are streaming with us online who say, man, I, I believe I'm a follower of Jesus and I've committed my life to him. I'm trying to do this Jesus' way. I want to invite you as you go out into your week this week to really stop and consider what it looks like to experience the moment you're in with Jesus. It's something that changes on the inside of you when you're going through your day and it's rough and you just stop and remember that you're not alone and you remember that this moment is the only moment you have and that you're going through it with Jesus. And that's a, it's a mindset. I want to encourage you to go into your week with that mindset. The second call I want to put out is for anyone who's here today who perhaps um, has never said, Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life, who has never decided to answer the call to follow. And what I want to do is I want to invite you um, to make that decision today to follow Jesus. You know, over the years, I've talked to so many people about faith, and this is what people have often said to me. You know, I, I really, I feel something inside. I feel like God's calling me. I, I want to follow Jesus, but I'm not ready yet. And they want to, like, oh, maybe I'll consider that tomorrow, as if tomorrow was promised. There's this story I always think about in Exodus. So during, Moses comes to the Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. Pharaoh says no. And then 10 plagues come. You guys know the story? I think it's the third plague or so. There's frogs. And the frogs are everywhere. The frogs have come up out of the river and they are in the kitchen. They're in the bathroom. They're in the bedroom. They're everywhere. You're stepping on frogs. You're sleeping with frogs. There's frogs everywhere. And Pharaoh finally says, just, I'll do anything. I'll let you take your people and go, but just get rid of the frogs. And Moses says, this is critical. He says, when would you like me to get rid of the frogs? Does anybody know what Pharaoh says? Tomorrow. <laughs> Why would he say tomorrow when the frogs are driving you nuts today? I've thought about that for years. And you know, the only answer that I can come up with is this. He wanted some control. I want to dictate the terms. I want to invite you to let go of control and to trust in Jesus, not tomorrow, but today. And all, all we're going to do together is uh, I'm going to say a simple prayer, and I'll read it out, and you guys can respond. Everyone can, I mean, if you've prayed this before or something like it, go ahead and join in. Just, I want to respond, and then for those who are saying this prayer and turning your heart to Jesus and answering his call for the first time. This will be a special moment for you. So would you join me? Jesus, I come to you. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Forgive me. Lead me. Guide me. Teach me. Transform me. I trust you. And I give you my life this day. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you for every person that is here. For those that are reminding themselves today of what it means to live in this moment with you. To abandon the way we've been doing things, to embrace the way of Jesus. God, would you strengthen us by your spirit and guide us and help us as we do so. Thank you for every person that perhaps said this prayer for the first time and it's not the prayer, it's the heart condition of saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. The call out to you to receive what you have done for us. And so, God, I thank you for each person and for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on all of our socials, uh, facebook.com slash pathwaylife, instagram.com slash pathwaylifechurch, and of course, our website, pathwaylife.com. We sure hope to see you at one of our in-person services or online via our YouTube channel, Pathway Church PTBO. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you later. Bye.